0: Welcome to The Christ Life. Glad that you took time to join me today. Once again, Rex is not with us. As we started last week uh, with a sermon series called Align, takes the Apostles' Creed, and we're breaking it down a bit and making sure that our behaviors really come back through uh, to to really what the early church um, believed. Uh, and, uh, And so we talked about the words, I believe, last week, and then uh, this week, we're uh, going to look at uh, in God the Father. Now, this is an important confession for us because this uh, confession of uh, in God the Father is the most defining relationship in our lives. Now, you may not have recognized that. You may not have thought about that before. Um, certainly, as we look through Scripture, uh, we, are, we are called to go to the Father in the name of Jesus, through Christ Jesus, but the relationship is with the Father. Uh, Jesus said this in, our, in John chapter 14. He said, You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now, this relationship that Jesus had with the Father uh, this uh, uh, this uh, relationship that we're going to talk about with the Father. I want to just ask you, how are you with that relationship? There's so many people. It's easier to think well, I have a relationship with Jesus, and there's, certainly there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus viewed the Father as greater, and we're going to look at that because certainly that has challenged people throughout the history. Uh, but the, ultimately, Jesus was very secure. In his relationship with the Father, he gives the picture that the Father uh, is uh, loved him and showed him things and led him and guided him. There was there was never a lack of of understanding of the love the Father had for him. There's never understand a lack of of. Uh, uh, trust that Jesus put in the Father and the activity that the Father was doing, and ultimately we know that the Father uh, caused Jesus to ascend and now sits at the right hand of the Father. This this relationship is a very powerful and beautiful thing, and I, I believe that that the the Father would enjoy if over the next week you really grew in your relationship with Him, that you looked at the Father differently. And I know that that uh, there 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 are problems associated with seeing God as father. in fact, i want to I want to kind of break uh, today up a little bit uh, in three areas. Uh, I want to break it up into the problems and then the potential and then the promise. Now, when we look at the problems, I'm not going to try to overcome all the problems, but I certainly at some level want to address some common problems that that are associated with uh, people looking at this relationship that biblically is so critical that that is important to us as being the Father of Heaven, and it starts with uh, for some the problem of identity. Uh, and when the the Apostles' Creed was first uh, was first written, there was a culture. There was a a world view of gods that is much different, certainly, than the way it is in the, uh, the United States or really the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, where there's not so much gods; it's all about intellect. But for them, there were Greek gods, there were Roman gods, and sometimes those gods were male, and sometimes they were female. Uh, sometimes they were uh, they were you know they were passionate. Uh, sometimes they were hot-headed. Sometimes they were lustful. Certainly they were unpredictable, they could change their minds. And so the early church spent a lot of time uh, teaching the differences between the the God, uh, God the Father, and the God of the Romans, or the God of the Greeks, or the, you know, the God of Ephesus, or whatever the the God was. They spent time differentiating that. Uh, And so while their worldview had all these different gods, the Christianity had one God, just one, and it was the God of heaven. It was, the, it was the the God, the the Father, and so the 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 question of identity uh, was important uh, back then. Uh, I think the for different different reasons, the uh, the uh, reason for identity is important. But understand that that Scripture says this about the, the God the Father. It says God is spirit. We say those words again, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth." Now, God, is, God doesn't have a, a form like you and I, but the framework of, of hierarchy, the framework of family, the framework of, of um, a representative authority, uh, is important to understand redemption. So at the very beginning, God created. And, and when God creates, and specifically God created Adam and then God created Eve, Adam had this representative authority because he was created by the Father, just as Jesus had representative authority. And, and so in, in the probably the biggest sense and the most important sense, uh, uh, God the Father uh, is the one with ultimate authority. but the uh, the the he, what he does is because he's the Father and the Father creates. Life starts with and comes from the Father. Uh, he gives this authority then down to the ones he creates. And so humanity though, in its sinfulness, humanity in its perverseness has always tried to make God, Out to be in their own image, and so there's always been this fight of identity that takes place. But but what God does in this is God actually does this this framework, and uh, and so we have to understand that 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 man today, man two thousand years ago, always tries to make um, a god in their own image. But God set this framework up. But there's also a problem of examples because there are no perfect examples that are shown to us in both the Old Testament and New Testament when it comes to an earthly father. None. In fact, only thing that the Bible does is point us toward or help us move in a direction that is good and right for an earthly father. And so regardless of how good or regardless of how bad your earthly father was, there is no perfect. Now, certainly there's a a long list of types of fathers. Maybe your father, earthly father, was the absent father, the one who, you know, left before you were born or left when you were young or was physically there and uh, still was very absent. Or maybe your earthly father was abusive. Uh, whether it's physical or sexual abuse and so this this idea of a uh, uh, heavenly father is just you know pushed pushed back. Maybe you were raised in a religious Christian home or and your father was demanding uh, and and so your view and your understanding of God the father is a is a God that is very demanding. In fact, it makes it easy for you to slip into that belief that, boy, all I have to do is get everything right, and then I'll be loved. Get everything right, and then um, then I won't have to, uh, I'll, then I'll begin to to live the life that I'm intended to ultimately live. But then there's the, there's, maybe you had the Disneyland dad, the dad who took nothing seriously, the dad who ultimately was the guy who was uh, uh, playing all the time, took nothing serious, and so you can't imagine a God up there that uh, that actually has a way of doing things, that has a way of looking at things, that has a has a right and a wrong, um, or uh, maybe your dad was the distracted dad, and so your your belief of a father in heaven was, you know, he got the world moving by spinning it, and then he wasn't involved, and he wasn't really part of that anymore. Or maybe your dad was a little bit more like the, the Greek and Roman gods. They were this kind of mood this one time, or they were more hypocritical. They would say this and they will do that. And so there's this problem with this, this uh, view of uh, a heavenly father because of an earthly father. But There are two other types of fathers that we at least have to address. Because there, there are, there's the father who's always trying to prove his manhood. He's the macho father. And so you were raised as a son that you better be this way. Or as a daughter, you better be this way. Or, or maybe your dad was the passive dad, the dad that, you know, yeah, well, it is what it is and it is what it is. So your idea of a heavenly father is, a, is one who is just very passive uh, in his approach to, uh, to his approach to relationships. But, but here's the truth. The Bible doesn't present the God of heaven, the God and Father of heaven, as being any of this. He is very involved. He's incredibly loving. He is very active. He has times of enjoyment. He can, is, this, will, this will mess with some of you, he can be a Disneyland God. While also being a God that's firm, being a God that is is uh, has an expectation. And so, uh there there there's this 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 uh uh this problem that comes from our earthly father and I think there's the the other problem that arises out of this is really as a problem of fear uh because now you you maybe you start reading the Old Testament and you start to relate it to your earthly experiences and you see a you see as a god that is that is angry that a God who has a uh just a list of laws and the moment you break that God's gonna he's gonna break out and he's gonna smite you and and so you've heard the You've heard the the statement, "Whoa, look out! You're going to get lightning from heaven's going to come down." You know the the Jews in the Old Testament they really believed very much this to be the case because they wouldn't they wouldn't even say the name of God. If you see a Jew write the name of God, if it's G O D, they just put a little dash in between the O because they're not going to even write it out. But here's here's the beauty of Jesus Christ. He was perfectly comfortable with his heavenly Father. Now, uh, he, he knew the righteous anger, and he knew the beautiful uh, compassionate love and uh, care of his heavenly Father. He knew that his heavenly Father would never lead him into anything that was not good for him, which moves us really from the problem to a potential. And, and there is a potential here, and I want to read out of John chapter one, uh, verses 12 and 13. It says, "But to all who did receive him." who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of flesh and blood, or not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, here's this crazy thing that's happening in the scripture. there, There is this, there is this uh, dynamic of us who are receiving the life of Jesus, and now are born while simultaneously really being adopted. But the, as John is talking here, he's talking about this, this spiritual birth, even as Jesus was talking later on to Nicodemus, there, that you are born again, because now we're born of the, the Father in heaven, the God, the Father, that is spiritual. It's not a fleshly thing. It's not something that is, is physical in its uh, its birthing. And yet in other parts of scripture, we know that when we say yes to Jesus, we're adopted in, we're grafted in to this family. Now we become uh, this part of this family that is not an earthly family of flesh and blood. But a heavenly, fa- uh, a heavenly family that is of spirit and of truth. Now we have moved in because now the Heavenly Father is receiving you in the same manner he receives his Son, Jesus Christ. He's receiving you and I. We become the child of God. Now I want you to get this because this is the highest uh, and most humbling honor that you and I can have. But the God of heaven the maker of everything seen and unseen has birthed us has adopted us into his family what an incredible honor what a humbling thing but that's only done through jesus christ and understand that there is no other religion there's no other there's no other group out there that ever promises a intimate close relationship uh, with, with God. There's a, there's a penance and there's a, a things that have to be done to try to get close, but not an intimate father-son, father-daughter relationship. That's not offered, that's not offered anywhere, but through Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He said, and because you are sons, and for you ladies out there, understand it, sons and daughters, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Say those words with me, Abba, Father. One more time, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slave, a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God understand those 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 words abba father do you know those are the exact same words just in different language abba is father in uh, aramaic but scripture both when jesus says it and paul writes about it uh, leaves it in aramaic because there is a there's a beauty that comes out when when we are uh, saying literally father father why is that done? Well, it's done because it signifies this intimate relationship between a father and a child. It, it speaks of this, this childlike trust for the father that, that is placed by the child into the father. And understand that even in the framework that God created here, there can be no child without a father. There can be no father without a child. And we're called into this wonderful, beautiful relationship where we can uh, we can crawl up into the lap of our Father and be comforted, encouraged, empowered, strengthened to go and become everything that our Father has created for us to be. And that really moves us from the potential to the promise. Because when we say yes to Jesus, when we receive him, the father births in us he adopts us he receives him but listen to what john chapter 20 in the last part of verse 17 says he says i'm ascending to my father and your father to my god and your god jesus is once again establishing this relationship this intimacy that is very much was very much a reality for him and is to be a reality for us, that he is not just the father of Jesus, but he's your father. He's my father. Oh, what a wonderful thing to be able to praise our father over, that he would accept us, that he would make us one of his. And here's the beauty about him being our father. He is absolutely perfect. He is the perfect blend of every good that you've ever experienced, both with a father on this earth that might be yours by blood or by just close contact with. He's a blend of all the perfect without any of the bad. You know what that means? That means that his love is absolutely perfect toward you. He knows how to love you perfectly. Boy, I know it's the prayer of of Jesus as he is constantly interceding before the father for you and I. And and it's certainly my prayer as well, that all of us would be in a place where we could fully receive and live in and operate through the love that the father has perfectly for each of us. And here's the the beauty of that love. It means that he is perfectly dependable, that when you need him, he's going to be there. He's not going to just separate from you. He's not going to just move away from you. Even when I think about, as a father, the different seasons of my kids' life, when they were young, I did a really, uh, the best job I knew how to make, it, make, take care of them. But then as they matured, I began to teach them to, to kind of operate in, in the life that has greater freedom. Now that my kids are, are married and they're, they're, they're on now, they just call me for advice. And you know what? A lot of times that's where we're at with our Heavenly Father. We're in this situation, Father. Will you help me move through it? And here's the beauty of it. When we do that, just as he did this with Jesus, he's promised to perfectly show you and I his activity in all your relationships, his activity in your work relationships. And so in this this relationship, we come to him and we ask him, why? Because not only is he perfect, but he hears us. We have this access before Jesus. It doesn't matter if your feelings are uh, feelings of, of, of a lack of worth in yourself, he's already accepted you as a child. And so we have this access before him so we can come and we can, we can receive guidance. We can receive this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, comfort that we need. We can receive the advice that we have need of. But here's the beauty of what he did in all of this is because he's given us this this beautiful relationship, he's promised us the ultimate promise that his spirit will be in, with, and through each of us. It says that we will speak with new tongues, and, and now we will be able to live as his son lived. Wow, what a beautiful promise that he's given to us. And I believe that as we confess the God as being in God, the Father as being our Father, as being my Father. I move into a potential relationship. I move into a potential power power that's been promised to me that far exceeds anything that any father on this earth has ever given. And so it's our prayer in this Christ life that we all will step into and live out and align this confession of God, the Father, in our life, so that we might live the life of love, acceptance, power, and redemptive change that Jesus Christ lived as well. And so that's our prayer for you. So God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.